This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome all our Torah Anytime viewers. Uh, tonight again we are learning Le'ilu Nishmat, Miriam Bat Bracha. We are continuing with, I think this is uh, uh, lecture number four on Mashiach, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so like we did the other three, you don't need to have those previous knowledge to know to continue, but obviously it would help you a lot. So the way that I am going to organize the whole series on Mashiach is going to be a standalone cheer, even though it's going to be a series. You'll get a lot more if you, if you get all the information from the previous classes, but if not, you'll still be able to understand the bulk of what we're going to be speaking about uh, throughout also. So the, the entire series of Mashiach. Okay, so tonight we're going to speak about Islam. Islam, ISIS, Hamas, Al-Qaeda, you know, all of our friends in uh, the Middle East that really, really love us so much that they just want to send us to heaven already because it's so good up there. Um, so, to, but, you know, we, we have to understand what is Islam's purpose in the end of days. What do we have to learn from Islam, you know, in the end of days? And how does all this come into play in the bigger picture of Mashiach and the, and the end of times? There is also, um, you know, let's just, let's just, let's just get into it. So it, if you look into history, if anybody's a history buff and they look into history, the, generally the majority of prosecution that was by the Jews were usually done by the Christians. They were the ones who prosecuted us very heavily. I mean, the Muslims, they did their fair share. Now, don't get me wrong, but it was, it was very heavily done by the Christians. Now it's very interesting how the, the end of days, the tables have turned a little bit. All of a sudden the Christians become our best friends and, well, outside and, uh, the Muslims are going and, and terrorizing. And if you, you know, you guys come from the Middle Eastern countries, you realize that the, the, it was very peaceful until recently to live in the Middle Eastern countries. You, had, you know, Iraq, you had you know, Iran, you had, uh, you, you know, wherever it is, it was it was okay. Even Jordan, you have you have places that, you know, there's the Kibbutz Sadiqim in Jordan that, uh, you know, nowadays people can't go to it. Egypt, um, so the, um, you know, it, it's very interesting to see how the tables have turned. There was a, a global research, and this was done by 2015, so I'm sure this was changed, uh, you know, since then, uh, due to the, you know, the Islamic change in the world, but uh, it, it said in 2015 that the state, the reason the state of Israel was funded, uh, was founded, I'm sorry, was that the Jews can live in security in a place and not get prosecuted. But ironically, how now, well, back in 2015, the most dangerous place for a Jew to live in the entire world is in Israel. How they created it to run away from anti-Semitism and run away from prosecution, the most dangerous place is Israel in itself. So... You look at it, you look how, how unlikely it is for us to survive in a land of Israel. It makes absolutely no sense. Besides the fact, and this is a very bad picture that I'm going to show you guys. This, um, you know, the, the lighter, this is the ocean. The darker red, this is over here. This is, um, this is all lands owned by and run by Muslim countries. And you can't even see Israel. Israel is this tiny little stretch of land. And you look, the, the, so the white is not, not the um, Islamic based, even though Russia is very, I think it's like 25% of the, 15% of the population is, is Muslim. So, which we'll get to it, I have it, uh, I have it later. So, um, and you have Germany is turning Muslim. So you see all over here, this is all going to turn red very, very soon. But, you look at the amount of land, just the land aspect of ratio, from what Israel has to what the surrounding Islamic nations have, we, I think that we, they have 12,000 more times land than Israel does. So that, that's how much. And it's funny because none of these nations are taking any refugees. Well, the majority of them are not. Where are they going to? Germany. They're going to Europe. They're going to all the, all the things. They definitely have plenty of land and plenty of space. But uh, they don't want them. And we'll soon see why. So that is... So the entire surrounding area of Israel is surrounded by people that want to destroy us. The entire Israel is surrounded by people, is, is, I'm sorry, is within them, people that just want to go and destroy Israel. You have, a, what is it, two million Muslims, uh, you know, I, you know, Israeli Muslims, Israeli Arabs, I don't know the terminology that they use for it, that are, there's a very high number that are in Israel, and they just want to eradicate us from within. So we have people that are ch- trying to kill us from without, trying to kill us from within, and it's a miracle that we're even surviving, let alone that we're surviving strong. So... This just comes to show you how everything is orchestrated from God. Because if you start thinking it from, from a logical perspective, it makes absolutely no sense why it's still around. Not to give any of them any ideas, but the amount of Muslims that there are in the world, they could just start walking into Israel. They just, just, just walk in. And they'll just, they'll cover the place like grasshoppers and ants. You know, they'll just, they'll, they'll overrun it. So it really makes no sense why we're surviving. The only reason why we're surviving is obviously because that's what God wants it. So... The, um, this was already, you know, there was a, there was a very famous, uh, um, commentator on Tanakh. His name was the Malbim. He, uh, lived about 150 years ago, and he, like, specialized in, like, these interpretations of, he had commentaries on, on, on all of the Tanakh. Very, very fascinating, very, very brilliant man. At 150 years ago, he already understood <coughs> from the Psukim in Tanakh that Israel is going to have its own, its own state. 
and you know, you think about it, 150 years ago, what, what, we had nothing to do with Israel. It was run by, you know, an Islamic, uh, you know, whatever. It wasn't really run. It was nobody really there. It was just swamps and, and nothing. But he was able to prove from the Tanakh that Israel is going to come to become a, become a state. And not only that, he went even further. It's 150 years ago. He said that it's going to be run by, it's going to be by two different groups. One, one group is following the Torah, and another group not following the Torah. 150 years ago, this was already, uh, it came into existence. So, uh, this is what he, he, he said. And he goes and he explains like this. The Malbim explains that the redemption is going to come in three stages. Number one, there's going to be a gathering of exiles. Everyone's going to start gathering into like uh, the the mainland, which is Israel. And then there's going to be a small government set up, which was what we have right now. And finally, the third step, which will be, will have an internal kingdom, the kingdom of Mashiach. So we see over here, we're already two out of three, and we're already by the footstep of the of the uh, of the of the third. So now that we have Israel, Baruch Hashem. And we're getting terrorized very, very heavily by Islam. We have to try to figure out what is the, what does this mean for us? Chazal teach us an, a very important principle when it comes to these things that, you know, with the nation, when we go to exile, the nation that's prosecuting us, you can learn about why we are getting prosecuted from the nation. So they have very similar character traits that, which, which means if we look at them, we can see what we need to work on. So, uh, the Rabbi Leo Dessler brings it down also. He brings down, he says it parallels the type of transgressions to which, you know, the Jews had fallen prey to. So with the Jews, whichever they are subjugated, with whichever particular nation, means a lot to us. So by us today, our focus is to learn about Yishmael, to learn about Islam, to learn about, not not just to, as a history class and sort of, you know, like, look look how, you know, what they're doing to us, but rather uh, what we can learn from this. So there there is a uh, Gemara in the, in the Sotah, that that says there's a there's a few things that's going to happen at the end of the days, and we started speaking about it, you know, previously about certain things. So they each correspond to, and we'll go maybe for a few of them. We don't have time to go through all of them. But for example, we said that the lies are going to increase. It's going to be a time where the lies are going to be rampant, and this is you know this is comparable to to when we are you know when we're lying to ourselves or that. What's going to happen? Yishmael is going to lie to us. And we're going to soon see how much, there, nothing that comes out of their mouth is truth. Like everything is complete falsehood. And so when we're not true to ourselves, they are not going to be uh, true to us. Also, we, we spoke about that the inflation persists, uh, that will, will rise. The, the, the value of money will decrease. It won't be any value. What does that mean? That when we're emphasizing too much on the materialistic world, that's going to reduce, God is going to reduce it to show you that it's not worth anything at the end of the day. So, the, um, Chaim Vital, which was a, the, the main disciple of the Arizal, the biggest Mukubal in the past, you know, well, he lived about 500 years ago. So he, um, go, he, he goes from the Pasuk in Tehillim, in chapter 124, verse 2, it says, adam. It says, um, you know, that uh, the, the terminology that's used, used over here is the word Adam. And he explains over here that who is this referring to? This is referring to Yishmael. That in the end of days, there's going to be somebody who's going to be called Adam. And we know, where do we know that Yishmael in the Pesukim it says, in the, in, if you look in Bereshit, in Genesis, chapter 16, verse 12, it says um, about Yishmael, His name is going to be Pere Adam. We're soon going to explain what this means. But his hands is going to be in everything and everyone's going to be in him. And now the, I'm going to give you six explanations on this Pasuk. And it's going to just clarify what the rabbis thousands, a thousand years ago and plus more that gave an explanation of what this means. And we can see how each and every single one of them goes and is completely applicable to uh, Yishmael. So again, Yishmael is called a para adam. And we're trying to explain what that means. If you translate it, it means like a wild donkey of a man. Right? That's literally the translation of it. Para adam. So the first uh, explanation, which is Unculus, he brings down and he says that it's, it's that this, this nation, Yishmael, will rebel against all mankind. Check. You know, that they accomplished. Um, number two mm-hmm. is that, this is something very interesting, that we will need him and they, and they will need us. They, he will, we, everybody will need him and he will need everybody else. So to understand it in the terminology for nowadays is that they're very backwards in uh, technology. But at the same time, they sit on a lot of oil. So they need, uh, they need us. They need the Western world for technology and that the Western world needs them for the oil. So this is the way that, this is how the Pasuk says that that he is gonna need, uh, the, the Western world and the Western world is gonna need him. The third interpretation is the Ebenezer. Ezra. He says that Yishma will be unrestrained among people. I don't have to even explain this, just open up any paper in the, uh, anywhere in Europe, just pick a country, open up a pay, uh, you know, and see what goes on about these people, what they're doing to Europe. Number four, the Ramban. He says that he's gonna wreck Havoc on everybody. And his, and this is something very interesting. His descendants will wage war against all the nations. Who could say, you know, you look about this, uh, you know, a thousand years ago. Who could say, you know, like the, 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 the insight that these rabbis had on explaining the Torah and how exactly it came into being 
like like verbatim, like literally they're they're at war with everybody. And we're soon going to see just how much. Um, there's also the the word para or or para, para it's really pronounced para adam para is like something like mm-hmm. it, it's it's similar to para which is to uncover which means is, is this, they are an entity that just wants to be free they don't want to be ruled by anybody they want to be completely free and this Arab Shimshon Rafal Hirsch explains it also he says that they're going to subjugate that you know any any subjugation against them they're going to shake it off and we see this in uh, in Europe in Europe there there you know so there's there's a, they took out a lot of refugees there are certain places in Europe where the police don't even walk in. They just like, not for us. You know, like they call in for a homicide, I'll be like, yeah, sure, we'll be there. You know, I'll circle around the town. Can I say that we've been to several countries in Europe, and especially London, it's really scary. It is, it is. We were like, oh, I We never said we were Jews. Yeah. I was like, yeah, totally. It is, it's a very, you go over there, and that's, you know, England is not so bad. Go to France. See what goes on in France. So the, that place is very, very, uh, you know, dangerous. For, and that's why there's a lot of people that are moving out of, of there. That's why I said, you know, originally I said in 2015 it came that Israel was the most dangerous place for a Jew to live. Now France is very, very dangerous. And Jews are like moving in flock loads to, to Israel or they're moving over here or whatever it is. They're, go, they're, they're going out. The, that was number six. That they're not going to be able to be subjugated. They cannot be ruled by anybody. Nobody can tell them what to do. They have to do whatever they want. Uh, number six is that Rashi says, explains that Ishmael will be a thief. He'll be, and it's very interesting because you know, in the generation of the flood, it says that one of the reasons that it was sealed for that is because they, it was Vetimala Aretz Hamas. The land was filled with, uh, with, uh, Kimala, I'm sorry, Kimala Aretz Hamas. The land was filled with Hamas. Hamas means that it was, shouldn't pour like that, pour the other way. That's a morning. Yeah. So, um, the, the, um, the land was filled with, with thievery. And he says in the end, it's very interesting, because what is the, what is the terminology that they use for, for stealing, for thieve? It's Hamas. Literally, what they called, you know, Hamas in Gaza, they're the ones who, who run that. They call it literally the, the, um, you know, stealing a thief. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. Well, they, they named themselves, yeah. It's not that other people, uh, put their name in it. So we see here something very underlining about Ishmael. They are a para adam. They are a um, a people that don't get along with other people. They want to fight everybody. They want to go and they don't want to be ruled by anybody. And they want to do their own thing all the time. No one can tell them what to do. And they want to enforce their idea, ideologies on everybody else. So now let's look a little bit around the world and just see how it works. So you have a bunch of different religions. Nowadays... Almost every religion can live peacefully with another religion. So let's say, for example, Christians and Buddhism. They're fine. They can live together. Not a problem. Christians and Judaism. Nowadays is fine. Back then it wasn't. But nowadays, you know, they, they live at peace. You know, Christianity and Confucianism. No problem. Christian and Taoism. No problem. Atheism. Shintoism. Any of the religions. You go back and forth back with, with mix and match anybody. There's not, there's not much of a problem. Um, they live with peace. No problem. You serve your God. You serve their God. There's no issues. I'm talking about it around the world. Now let's look at Islam. Islam and Christians. No, not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen unless you want to have your head on a platter. You're not going to be a Christian in an Islamic place. Islam and Buddhism. Also, very bad idea. Islam and Judaism. Very bad idea. Islam and Confucianism. Also, you're not following Islam. Not good. Islam and Atheism. Very bad. Islam and the Shintos. Also very bad. Everywhere that they live with, they, they cannot live with anybody. So then fine, let's settle with Islam with Islam. No. The worst. <laughs> Just look at that, they're killing everybody. They're killing everybody. You're not following, there's, there's a share, there's all different types of different sects of it. So Islam, not only can they not live with anybody else, they cannot even live amongst themselves. And this is very interesting. I saw this, uh, you know, a video of this once that, um, um, you know, that, that uh, Islam is the Islamic people, the, the Ishmaelim, the Arabs, they're very unhappy in certain areas. Syria, they're very unhappy over there. Look at what's going on over there. You look at Morocco, you look at, uh, you know, all these different places that are, um, I don't know if Morocco is a good example, but these these places that are not westernized, these places that are by a totalitarian government, a place that is a, a monarchy, they're very unhappy there, and they run away. And where do they go? They go to places like Germany, France, where they are happier. They get you know benefits, they get food stamps, they get whatever it is that they you know they they're they're able to to achieve. All. So they're happy over there. But something very interesting is that wherever they're going to be happy in Germany and France, what do they want to do? They want to make it like where they're not happy. They're not happy in, you know, in, back in whatever there was in, uh, um, you know, Libya. So now they're going to go to Germany, but they're going to make it like it was in, in Syria. But you just weren't happy there. Why are you going to make the same type of government? <laughs> they love blood. <laughs> they love blood. So, but here we see over here, and, and someone once sent me this, this video. They did a very nice presentation of, of this video and how everything, it was, it was just beautiful, but it, make, it made perfect sense. So, 
the, um, you know, uh, we should not be fooled. Okay, so, you know, Ishmaelim is a very, very, um, you know, it, it, they have a very bad trait, the Pere Adam. But you think, okay, so they have a bad trait, they could overcome it, it's just a temporary, you know, just a thing that they could, uh, the Torah says, no, no, no. So, generally, they're, they're in, in proper grammatical Hebrew vernacular. There's a lot of big words there. I'm very happy with that. Okay, so the, the first, you should first put the noun, which is the Adam. Afterwards, you should follow it by the adjective, which is the Pere. So, but the Torah reversed it. Instead of saying Adam, that is a para, it says it's a para Adam. So they put the adjective before the noun, which means this. So it, it, it's even, it's emphasizes even, even, even more. And, and it's not, yeah, it's, it, it, well, it doesn't make sense if you think about it. it. So it's backwards. Now, why is it that it's backwards? So not, you know, if someone to say, okay, this guy, he has an anger personality. That's very bad. But if this guy, if I tell you, he is anger. That's his essence. Then it's like, you know, there is not, that's not a personality trait anymore. That's who he is. Now again, anger is a character trait. It's a bad trait, but it's a bad uh, thing to, to uh, uh, as an explanation. But the way the Torah says it, he is a para adam, which means is, you don't think that he's not an adam who has a, you know, character trait of a para. No, 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 no. He is first a para. He is first somebody who is a wild, wild person of a man. And then he's a man. So don't think that he's going to change. This is going to be to the end of times. And the Torah is eternal. The Torah doesn't say. The Torah was, you know, brought to us 3,300 years ago. And it's still exactly applicable 100% today. And everything is, is, is on the dot, on the money. So the, um, the Chafetz Chaim says also, he says that, that Ishmael will forever remain a paradigm. And he says, even if all the cultural nations, they'll bring them, be like, come to our, you know, come to our colleges. We're going to give you good degrees and we're going to give you, you can't change them. Just look at what happened recently in, uh, um, you know, when they recruited, ISIS recruited. You see people with advanced degrees in biology and law and doctorate. They go and they fight, you know, for, for ISIS. And you think it doesn't make sense because you cannot, you cannot, it's like, uh, I don't want to give this as a, it's not a great example, but you cannot train a cat to not chase mice. You know, it'll be like, it's a best friend, but eventually it's going to get hungry or sometimes it's going to eat the, mi- the mouse. You cannot, they are in essence a para adam. So, on the How aren't normal people, fine, I guess they're not normal, but like, mm-hmm. how are people going to follow them if they're not like? Para adam is your answer. But they're not. You can't explain. Certain people, certain, oh, that they're not that? They get, oh, you mean like, let's say the people that uh, sympathize with the Palestinian? Yeah. Oh, we're going to speak about that. Yeah. Yeah. All those people that, uh, yeah, we'll get to to that. I don't know if we'll get to today, but we'll we'll get to that. Okay. So now, the Chafetz Chaim goes and says, he says, oi, who knows what this Pere Adam is liable to do to Am Yisrael in the end of days? That's how bad it's, you know, it's going to be. So we see over here. That, you know, it's a people that they break off international agreements, which we're soon going to go and explain in, in depth. They are willing to declare their children a, you know, go for the holy goal of, of, uh, you know, sacrificing yourself. They are, you know, so the Torah, when he saw, the Torah had long range, long vision. And they saw in the future, this is never going to change. This is how it's going to be. Now, it's something very interesting. In, if you look at the name Yishmael, it's the only name of the, all the nations of the world that cheer, that have a, a God's name in it. El. It's a God's name in there. Yisrael and Yishmael. Only two. So something very interesting, what, you know, what is it that Yishmael got that, um, the schut, the merit to have that, uh, that on it? So, yeah. No, no, it's not Asaph, we're talking about Ishmael. This is, we're talking about Ishmael. So, well, well, that's now, this is before even, this is, you're talking about Islam, Ishmael is before. He got Ishmael because he was praying so much for his, his mother. Oh, no, 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 that was, they, they, they named, oh, we'll get to that, we'll get to that, I'll, I'll explain that. So, yeah. So now, the, um, where was I? So the, the, the Islam, which is now, Yishmael, is, is one of the few nations in the entire world, in, sorry, the religions, a few religions in the entire world that practice monotheism. They're crazy, and they do crazy stuff, and their, their, their faith is very perverted, as soon as we're gonna see, but they still practice monotheism. They still believe in one God. So in some aspect, they are, you know, um, you know, spreading the name of one God throughout the entire world. So for that alone is already enough that they have God's name within, uh, within their, uh, their, their name. The, but the problem is, so you think about it, be like, so if you are practicing monotheism, you're worshiping the right God. And according to the common, you know, um, you know, now, nowadays we don't consider Islam to be an Abu Dazara, as opposed to Christianity is, is. So Islam, you know, for example, we spoke about it in the Christian class, um, let me rephrase that. We spoke about when we spoke about the Christians. <laughs> okay, is uh, that you know you're not allowed to go to their to their uh, church. You're not allowed to. It's forbidden. So going to a place of Allah Dazara. However, let's say you want to go to a mosque. Wouldn't recommend it. I definitely would not recommend it. But it's not considered Avodah Zarah um, in that aspect as it is a church. So you think about it. They are practicing 
monotheism. They have the name of God in them. How are they still doing so much, you know, crazy stuff in the entire world? And the answer is, is that their faith is like we said before, it's, it's perverted. It's not the, the, it's not the, the right faith. What is their, their, their faith is, is tainted by their para Adam quality. So they are para Adam, but unfortunately that overrides everything that, that they have as, as faith. So, and you look at this, they, the way that they do it is, they do anything that they want, and then they claim that's God's will. And we'll explain it, we'll explain that, uh, um, you know, momentarily. The, you know, the, when Avraham, when he had three guests, that they were Arabs, and they had dust on their feet. And what he said, he says, wash off your feet, right? So, cause who knows, maybe that they, they're Vodazara, and they pray to the dust of their feet. So, and that they, I'm sorry, they bow to the dust of their feet. So the question is, is be like, I understand the idol worship. Who bows to the dust of their feet? Like, how is that, uh, you know, what is the Torah saying when it means that? Explains on Moshe Shapiro. And he goes and he says that, you know how, how the, the Ishmaelim, you know how they work. Wherever they walk, it's, this is what God told them to do. They, they decide to do suicide, God told them to do that. They decide to murder, you know, little kids, God told them to do that. Whatever, so they, how they pervert it so much is that, it's not that, you know, they are doing some, they're following God's will. Whatever they do is God's will. And they make God will theirs. You understand what I'm saying? You understand how they, how they flipped it. So, and this is very unfortunate. So what they're, what they're doing is that they think they're great people. And they think they're going straight to heaven. And they think they're going to be going to, you know, to the, to the top, top level of, of uh, paradise for the things that they do. They are, you know, basically, you know, um, you know, I don't know what the, confusing themselves. They're, they're, they're uh, you, I mean, if you think about it also, it's not only them. Nowadays, it's very unfortunate. And I speak to people like that. They think, people think that they're a good person. I'm a good person. I'm a good Jew. This is the verbatim of what people tell me. I'm a good Jew. I just, you know, I don't keep kosher, but I'm a good Jew. I'm a good Jew. I don't keep Shabbat, but I'm a good Jew. Um, you know, still every once in a while, but otherwise, I'm a good Jew. I'm like, I'm like, who gave you terminology? How, how do you, you know, do you speak the English? You know, what do you mean? I, uh, you're good. It's like, you know, I, I said, I, I don't even understand. It's like going to court. You got, somebody got busted for, um, for stealing, for robbing a bank. Yeah, let's make a nice juicy story. They got stealing from robbing a bank, right? And they go in. And the judge says, you know, you got, you know, being that it's a, it's a very nice judge, he says, listen, I'll let you off with a warning. Whatever. He's not following the laws. But he says, I'll let you off with a warning. So, so he says, but on the condition that you don't rob any more banks. So the guy is, you know, the, he's standing over there, he goes and says, fine, I, I'm not going to rob any more banks. I can't promise anything about convenience stores, though. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll be a good citizen. No more banks. But I can't promise anything. I'm like, how, how do you, that's not a good citizen. You have to follow all the rules. You want to be a good Jew? It equals very, very easily. Follow the rules of the Torah, and you'll be a good Jew. Don't make up. And this is how, exactly like Islam. Islam, what is Islam? They exploit. They they pretend to be whatever they want to be, and they fit it into their religion. So, so this, unfortunately, this is many people nowadays. They do whatever they want, and they fit in. You know how many people? How many sins they do for the sake of shalom bait, shalom bait, and peace of the home? I don't have to keep Shabbat. It's going to make uh, you know you know fights in the home. I don't know where which you're, you're reading, but they, no, that, that's not like that. Or they say. How many people go in the name of giving charity? He's like, listen, I, I'm going to go gambling. 50% Rabbi, 50% of all my winnings is going to go straight to charity. So first of all, who, why are you so confident that you're going to win? And, uh, you know, second of all, that, that's despicable money. It's, 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 a, it's a money that's not blessed. So, yeah, and then they have people that... What? Let's say I want money gambling, can I give it? You could give it to Zakhan, you should, but you should not be going gambling. Gambling is forbidden. So, so the... Um, that's okay. Yeah. I'm talking about, let's say you go, in particular, let's say you're sitting around a, um, with a bunch of friends and you're playing poker, 100% forbidden. Um, then there's different, yeah, there's the different, uh, there's different, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't know you guys, oh, so, alright, so then we'll have to explain this. So, so the, um, no, it's a big problem. Cause there's a, there's a little bit, of, you have to speak to local Orthodox rabbi, but, as a general rule, gambling is, you know, stay away from it. You, uh, you have a particular circumstance or whatever it is, then speak to your local tax rabbi. Going to play lotto, going to play like, uh, you know, the Mega Millions of Powerball, that's okay. Um, that, that's not a problem. And the reason, the problem, I'll tell you what the problem with gambling. The problem with gambling is um, that when you're sitting with a bunch of friends and you're playing poker, so everybody brings in X amount of money, they put it into the pot, uh, however it goes, I'm not familiar with the, with the rules. But you bring in money, and then one person usually wins. Or a few people win, but yeah. So what the um, so but the problem is that when you're going to play poker, you're not thinking and be like you're thinking that you're going to win. And hence the guy before get fifty percent of all my winnings to charity. He already he goes. People don't go to people. Normal people do not go gamble and be like 
It's going to be awesome. I'm going to lose like $1,000 tonight, but it's going to be worth it. It's going to be great. <laughs> you know, nobody does that. You go, I'm going to go to that. I'm going to come back with 10 grand. You watch me. I'm going to you know, make 10 times the money. Everyone goes in thinking they're going to win. Now, it's a very big problem when you have a bunch of people putting in money together, everyone thinking that they're going to win, and then only one person wins. So everybody else is not, willing, is not really willingly giving over the money because they really wanted it. So it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, it's like a vak of gneva. It's a dust of like stealing a little bit because you're taking money from somebody that doesn't really want to give it to you. And they agree to it. Of course they agree to it because they thought they were going to win. Alright, but yeah. they still feel that they're going to win. Right. It's, so sometimes you don't even want to give money to charity, but you're like, it's for the best or whatever. It's I'm not the same. No, that, that's you're not. The charity's not stealing. You know, but, you know, you don't. You don't want to waste money on food, but you have to eat. I feel like you know, it's like you know, so you're, you're not going to. Alright, that hit home. Okay, good. Alright, so let's move on. But maybe one time we'll have to make a whole class on gambling. So, the. Okay. By the way, this is also this also goes in you know how people pretend to be okay in let's say in aspects of modesty. People say, you know what, I'm fine. It's you know it's very hot in the summer. Afterwards, that's when I'll start. In the winter, it's easy to be modest. That's when I'll start. It doesn't work, and they think I'm a good person because don't. There's one thing that you should do is do not fool yourselves. You want to do a certain sin. I, you know, I, I wish you that you wouldn't, but if you do, there's one thing that if you fool yourself, then you're never gonna change. But you have to be honest with yourself. Don't be like the Ishmaelim who think that everything, they fool themselves. That's the word I was looking for before. They fool themselves, they think that everything is right. And they're never gonna change, because they think that they're right. Don't think if you're doing something wrong, don't convince yourself that it's right. Okay, so, this is why that the, um, you know, Yisrael and Yishmael both have God's name. Well, now we could, we could split, split here a little bit. Yisrael is, if you split, it's Yashar Kel, which means is they go in the path of God. Yashar means straight, straight to God, which means is that we follow God's Torah and God, the way that God does it. Yishmakel means like God will hear. God will hear. What's God going to hear? God's going to hear what I want to say. And that's what's going to be, make a God, that's what's going to be the God's will. So they, they pervert it and they will, uh, put it, because the proof is, uh, you could ask this also a question, if you look at the, uh, the Pasuk, the Pasuk in Bereshit, in Genesis chapter 16 verse 11, it said that Malach came to, an angel came to her, and said that you're, you're, the, you know, he said that the, Yishmael was one of the people that were named before he was born. The angel told her what to name him. It says, the angel goes over to Hagar and it says, Vekarat Shmo Yishmael ki Hashem el Anech. That you're going to call him Yishmael because God heard your cries. God heard your, your, your pain and your suffering, your affliction. So we see over here that, you know, his name was really not because Yishmael that God will hear, but rather because God heard from, from Hagal. So the, you could ask a question on what I just said. Be like, oh, no, it's already written already before why God's name was written, why Yishmael's name was written like that. So the answer is, is that if you would have said, if it would have been that just on the aspect of God heard Hagal's cries, then it should have been Shama Kel. Like in the past, God heard you. Yishma is is the the the, the verb in, in the future. What does that mean? That God will hear you. So saying that not only that God heard you before, but this is the essence of the person that He's always going to think that God's going to hear him. Whatever He says, that's what that's law, and that's why His name is Yishmael. It tells you a lot about Him. Explains the Zohar. Explains the Zohar. The Zohar goes like this, and he says he says no exile will be as oppressive to the Jewish people as the Ishmaelite exile, which is going to be the worst exile. The, and Rav Chaim Vital goes on this and says, in the future, Ishmael will cause extreme and bizarre grief, the likes of which we have never seen before. Mm-hmm. And the, even we can go even more. Balak, uh, you know, the king of Moab, he went and he hired Bilam to curse the Jewish people. And Bilam tried to curse the Jewish people, but he ended up giving them a blessing. But when, and, and he ended up prophesizing. Bilam was a non-Jewish uh, prophet for the, for the non-Jewish nations. So he prophesies about the end of days, in our times. See, that's what he prophesies. And he says, and I'll read a few in English. He says, alas. Alas is like, uh, the translation is, oi. Oi is like, and like, oh man, you know, oh man. He's like, who can survive when God puts this on him? When God's put this in him. Says Rabbi Lezim ben Horkinus. We're going to quote a lot of Rabbi Lezim ben Horkinus. Rabbi Lezim ben Horkinus was the rabbi of Rabbi Akiva. Remember we spoke about the whole, so this was his rabbi. He's talking about uh, someone who lived in the um, in the year, like about from the year like 40-ish to, to about 116 common era. Uh, and I'm just rough estimating. I don't have the exact date, so don't quote me on it. But in that time, in that time frame. So he says that who is Bilam talking about? He is talking about Ishmael. He's talking about the, the, the Ishmaelite exile. And this is saying, he says that it's going to be so bad that no, about no other exile did they use the term oi. Oi, like, in, like, oh. You know, only regarding to Ishmael. Are you considered in exile now? Yeah. It's been a while though, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, the, um, and, and you could see that, you know how, you know, how this exile is really 
much worse than all of our other exiles. In all of our other exiles, there was no nation, no person who wanted to kill himself to kill other people. It never existed. There was no such thing as suicide bombers for the, you know, for the sake of the Roman, you know, Christian, you know, government. There was the Crusades, which murdered thousands upon, well, probably hundreds of thousands upon Jews, um, probably even say millions. But nothing like the, you know, if you would ask them, be like, okay, you could kill a Jew, but you have to die. They're like, no, thank you. Yeah, I hate the Jew with the bottom of my heart, but I'm not going to die for it. Ishmael, even if it's a possibility, they're going to ready. Be like, no problem, I'll do it. So the, um, and, and if you think about it, the entire world can be helpless with one suicide bomber. You look at people that build bombs in their basement and cause so much... Ha- we have so much technology. We have so much advancement in the infrastructure of security and bomb... Adv- like crazy stuff. Yet you have one guy who goes online, reads up on how to make a bomb, and then he could go and blow himself up and kill who knows how many people. And we still cannot protect against that. It, it, it's not where we're trying, but it, it's, we're living in a, in a place that you know we feel absolutely no protection. And you look, you look at you know you think of, you know back before September 11th, 2001, you thought America, you know, in, like, just like the Titanic, you know, impenetrable, you know, the strong nation. And then what happens? A few people, you know, went and they brought America down to its knees. It brought it down to its knees by hijacking some planes. With what did they have? Some box cutters? You know, this is what they dealt with. And they, whatever, I don't know, they had bombs, whatever else that they had over there. But it's ridiculous on how you have... Exactly. They were willing to die for their cause. And they were willing to... And this is, this is the, the place that we are. We were, had never, ever been in this predicament before in, in, in the history, in all of our exiles. The, um, so you look at the, the, um, the statistical you know, numbers of how many Christians, how many Muslims. These things are all like, like estimated. So... Christianity right now is still as the number one religion in the world, right? It's got the number top, the top ten ranks. It's number one. Islam is number two. It's, very, it's coming up very close. So you have about Christianity, you know, and again, this is rough estimates, about 2.1 billion Christians in the world. Islam, so you look at, depending where you look, you're anywhere between 1.3 to 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. So, but, you know, from all the places that I've done my research, it's been more 1.8 billion than 1.3. So, and this is as of 2015 when I was doing, when I, when, you know, the, the research that came up. So as of 2015, there's about 1.8 billion Muslims in the world. It's the world's second largest religion in the world. But from this, from this statistics that they, that they presented, it says Muslim is, uh, Islam is expected to exceed the number of Christians by the end of the century. They're gonna overtake it. They are the fastest, fastest growing, um, religion worldwide. So the um, you know you, you think about it, I'd be like, okay, this is not a passing phase. This is just going to get worse. And you look. So uh, CNN uh, wrote down. Uh, I know CNN fake news. We all know it's not whatever. But um, but at uh, the, the the statistics that they 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 uh, presented was not their statistics. So you could say it was from the CDC, the, Cent- uh, the Centers for the Disease Control and Prevention. So um, they brought down said that uh, since 1909 is when the U.S. government started to keep track of the fertility rate. And we'll explain what that means in a minute. And uh, in 2016, it, it kept on declining. Ever since uh, the, po- the post-World War II baby boom, it kept on declining. And when it, 2016, when this article came out, it was at the lowest point, the fertility rate. So this, just to explain what that means... Um, in order for a culture to maintain itself, it has to, um, it has to have, if, if, for more than 25 years, it has to um, have a fertility rate of at least 2.11 kids per family. The, and I'll explain what that means. So, so you have a husband and a wife, right? So there's two humans in the world. Now, if they want to make sure at least to maintain the same population, they at least need to have two kids. So the population is equal. Now, if they have you know, three kids, that means the population is on a grow. If they have one kid, then the population is on a decline. So when you hear the terminology of 2.1, uh, 1.3, these are, so anything, if it, in order just to stabilize itself, not even to grow, it has to be at least 2.11. This is according to the statistics over there. I don't know where the 1.1 came in, but from, from common sense, you'd see to at least two. Um, so now let's look at the, the fertility rate throughout the entire uh, region in Europe, in, in America, and the Islamic world. So, the fertility rate, this is as of the, the study was done in 2007. France has a fertility rate of 1.8. England has a fertility rate of 1.6. Greece, 1.3. Italy, 1.2. Spain, 1.1. Canada, 1.6. America is also 1.6. It's interesting because the, the Latino population has 2.11. So they're, they're like, they're good. But you look at it, what that is all, everything I just told you was under 2. The Islam was anywhere between 4.1 to 7.7. This is a ridiculous amount, and that's and I'm being conservative because the the the, the, the they put in here eight point one, 
and I, I did I did some more research and I found it to be more uh, 4.1 and to 7.7. 7. Um, so again, because you have more modern Islam, so you, those are more like the 2.9. But they're still they're still <laughs> way more advanced. And um, the um, you look at it in 1970s, there was a total of 100,000 Muslims in the United States. As of 2008, there was 9 million Muslims. Into it, from 100,000, you know what the type of growth that is. According to the uh, news articles of Russia today, the Muslim minorities make up approximately 15% of the total population in Russia. 15%. So the chart that I showed you before that made Russia white, they're going to turn red very soon. Uh, Germ- oh, Belgium, listen to this. Belgium, 25% of the population is Islam, is, is Muslim. The biggest kicker, 50% of all newborns are all Muslim. It's only a matter of time over here. Germany. Let me tell you something that Germany itself brought out with its own statistics. The fall of the German population can no longer be stopped. It is a downward spiral that is no longer reversible. It will be a Muslim state by the year 2050. This was done by the Germany uh, Federal Statistics Office. By 2050, they are, the, the, you know, it's going to be a, uh, oh, and they think, okay, come on. Let's bring in more Muslim refugees. Oh, enjoy. Enjoy them. Take them. The European, the Europe, the European Union. The European Union is is a combination of thirty one countries. Their fertility rate, combined fertility rate, is one point three eight. So as this, for, as per this research, it is impossible to reverse what what has already come into play. Which means in a few years, Europe will cease to exist as we know it. And America is only going to be oh, who knows how long to that. And and you look at Gaddafi, right? What Gaddafi said. I want to quote you something that Gaddafi says, if I may. Gaddafi, uh, uh, the the ruler of Libya. Do some research in it. It's a fun character. Um, now that he's now that now that he's dead, it's fun. No, no, no. It's Islamic. So, Muammar Muhammad Gaddafi, right? So um, he says like this. He says, "There are signs that Allah will grant victory to Islam in Europe without swords, without guns, and without our conquest. We don't need terrorists. We don't need homicide bombers. The 50 plus million Muslims in Europe will turn into Muslim content within a few decades." He says, "All we need is faith." And um, and have them in birthright. What? <laughs> they are they yeah. And even more so. So you look at where the world is going. You know the Torah says it says that the, the you know Islam will rule the world before by, by the end of days. And we see it's it's happening. They don't need anything else. They just keep on popping babies. The, the, the place is going to be in, you know flooded. Because the first of all the Islam the the let's look at Christians. Christians are not committed to their faith as Muslims. You ask a Christian what does it say in your Bible? I'd be like, well, my Bible says if I believe in Jesus, you know, then I'm going straight to... That's as far as they know the majority of them. You go to, you go to some Islamic people, it says, what is that in your Quran? It says, which verse you want me to quote for you? You know? So they know a lot more. They're, they're, they're much more, I don't want to say religious, but they are. They're more, they're more devoted to the, uh, to, their, to the religion than that. So, and they have lots of kids. They also have lots of wives. Um, and they, now, you know, you go to Islamic countries, the wife would be like, okay, I don't want to have any more kids. He'll show you the back of his hand, and then you'll have as much kids as he decides. And if not, he'll punish you. And you look, and I've seen this, and I, <clears throat> I cannot make this up. And I, I saw this, and it was not even in a YouTube clip. It was on an Islamic website. And it was an imam, a, like a, I don't know what it is, like a rabbi of, uh, <laughs> you know, so he goes, and he is, he is, he, like a priest, yeah, that's a better example. He is teaching the Muslims how to beat their wives. He'd be like, he says, if they don't listen to you, he says, first, you ignore her. You ignore her for a few days. Um, if she doesn't, you take a stick. Not a big stick, a small stick. You, you hit her. Until she's going to listen to you. And he's giving them instructions. And you see people listening there, like taking notes. About, like, oh, I'm stick of two inches. Okay, fine. Hit her how hard? <laughs> and this is how they teach. This is what they preach. They preach not only to hate and everybody else. They beat their own wives. They beat their own, and that's why it's so unfortunate. You look at Israel, and, and you know it's very unfortunate that there are organizations because uh, you know nowadays you know they have all the Jewish girls, and they're all like, oh, I fell in love with Muhammad, you know, and, and they're going to be like, he's different, he's different than anybody else, and they unfortunately you know they get trapped into you know that, and then what happens? They get beaten, and then they reach out to these organizations, and these organizations are usually a lot of ex-army soldiers that they do these missions and extract them from these Muslim villages. But what do they? Why do they come running? Not because their love is so great and the marriage is amazing, right? And, and, you know, and, and uh, this Ali is much different than anybody else. No, 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 it's not. He, they're just as bad, every single one of them. And unfortunately, they don't realize they get sucked into it. And they, also, they brought up in a place that, you know, freedom of love, you know, love whoever you want. You know, it's like, and then they get stuck, and then they have to come to these organizations who help them try to extract them and their kids. So, very unfortunate. So, <clears throat> the, um, we see over here that, you know, the fact that, you know, you can't hold these people back. 
They're, they're growing. They are going to grow and they are going to conquer. They're going to, they're going to go all over the world and we see it. We see Europe is done. Europe is done, was done already a long time ago. But we see that there's not much that, uh, that can be stopped. And, and we see this is exactly what the Torah says. The Gemara in Baba Batra, I want to quote for you a few Gemara. We have a few more minutes and we'll finish off that. Um, that, yeah. We're gonna have to thank you. I'm, I, you know, I'm gonna have to, uh, I don't know if I can do it all in one class. Okay, we'll see. The, the Gemara Baba Batra, thank you. The Gemara Baba Batra 73b says like this. Says Rabba Baba Khana said, he says, I want to quote for you this Gemara, and I'll read it to you in English. I saw a frog as big of the city, along came a tanin, which is like a scorpion or a crocodile, and swallowed it. Along came a female crow and swallowed it. The Ma'arsha explains, and he says this is referring to the, the last exile in uh, Daniel's vision, which we're not going to get to speak today, but maybe one day we'll, we'll speak about that. The, um, the frog is an allusion to Greece. And then comes Rome, which swallows the frog, which is the tanin, the, like the scorpion the, um, or the crocodile. It swallows uh, the Greece, which means they come into power. And finally, who swallows every, the, the, uh, the tanin is a female crow. And what is a crow? Crow is referred to Ishmael. Now what, I want to focus on the crow. Why crow? Crow are renowned for their cruelty. To, they don't even, um, they're, they're even cruel to their own kind. They don't, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think they, they don't, they don't even look, yeah, they don't look at, at their young. They don't look after their young. They don't go, they just like go fend for yourself. They don't care about it. This is exactly what is by Ishmael. Ishmael doesn't care about their, their young ones. He says, go, go blow yourself up. They, they, uh, um, the IDF p- takes out, uh, um, you know, videos every so often in regards to, um, you know, what Hamas and all those things. And they showed the education for kindergartens for, in the Hamas. And I, I saw it literally today. It's unbelievable. Um, you see, you know, when, when you're, you know, I get all these things sent to me out of random, from random people, and it comes to me like my masha day that I'm preparing a class. It's like, you know, so, and, and I was shot. You see kindergartners little, with like fake guns, and they are, you know, they're, they're like training. And then they have this other kindergarten which has fake peyotes, fake tzitzit, like pretending to be a Jew. And the lovely little kindergarten with guns comes and like kicks the other one down on the floor and points the gun at him. This is what they're training the little uh, the little kids over here. So he says, that they, what are they training them? They're training them already to go be a suicide bomber. Just like a crowd. I don't care about the kids. They also, they, they, they're they willing to have the kids die for um, for the sake of that. So there's another Gemara also in Baba Batah, same page, 73b. It goes like this. also says like this. He says, once we were traveling in a boat. And we saw a great fish. And on it was earth. So we thought it was dry land. So we climbed on it. And we baked. We cooked. We made a fire on it. But as the fire started warming up, it was really a fish. It was a very large fish. And it flipped over. And then Rabbi Barakana says, if had we not been close to our boat, we would have drowned. So I want to give you an explanation from somebody by the name of Rabbi Yaakov Milisa. I have to first explain who this Rabbi Yaakov Milisa was. Because you see how his explanation to give you some... Uh, so first of all, very interesting. His name was Yaakov ben Yaakov Moshe. Usually you're not named after your father. So I did a little research that it turns out that his father died before he was born. So he was named after his father, Yaakov and Yaakov Moshe. So he was also the great, the great grandson of Chacham Tzvi Ashkenazi, which everyone is not familiar is also um, related to Rav Yaakov Emden. So he was a very, very big posek in his time. Um, how big was he? So there was somebody um, that, um, by the name of Rav Shlomo Gansfried, who wrote a, something called the Kitzuch Shuchan Aruch. So he took the Shuchan Aruch and he, and he, uh, uh, made it, uh, in a bridge version, very easy to read for the common popular. And I strongly recommend this. It's very easy to make this in English now. You go, they even have a Sparty version of it. They have a Sparty and Ashkenazi version of it, that you go in the, in a bookstore, you buy Kitzuch Shuchan Aruch, and you literally could go and read all the halachot. It gives you a great, uh, um, you know, um, you know, abbreviation of all the halachot that you need. So he wrote it, and this was in, back in about the year 1800. He wrote in a bridge version. But besides abridging it, he also included the, the, um, you know, current commentaries on the on the halachot, so so updated on like certain things that did you know that before you know basically made made it more up to date with the more recent uh, rabbis that that uh, um, or the, the poskim. So he did it in a very similar way to the way that uh, um, Rav Yosef Kaur who wrote the Shulchan Aruch, the way that Rav Yosef Kaur did in the Shulchan Aruch, he did um, he took three rabbis and of their works and he which was Rabbi Yitzhak Al-Fasi the Rambam and Rabbeinu Asher and he took them and he sort of you know looked you know got knew all their, their laws and picked the majority on the laws on that majority of the halachot also you look at it it's a Rambam in the, in the, in the Shulchan Aruch but so the Rav Shlomo Gansri when he did the Kitsusha Aruch did it in the same method he took the three things so he took uh, of the three things one of them was the um, 
this um, this Rabbi Yaakov Milisa. This is one of them that this. So he was a, such a big posek that he was one of them that he took for. The other two was um, was of Shneir Zaman of Ladai, and which was which uh, authored the Shulchan Aruch Harav, and Rab Avraham Danzig, which authored the Chai Adam. Again, for you guys who are not familiar with any of the post games, it's probably, but just it's good information to know. So he was one of them that was that that he took in to sort of compile his Kitzur Shulchan Aruch, which means he was a very 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 big posek. So now, listen to how he explains this Gemara. Amazing. So he says like this. He says that um, that this was a mystical vision that is in reference to before Mashiach comes. And he says that the Mashiach, before the Mashiach comes, the Jews will rule over the other nations, and they, they are compared. The Jews are compared to a big fish, and the Bnei Yisrael, the Jews, will think that they are, they dried up, that everything is dried up, like the dry land on top of the fish, and all these nations they lost hope, and therefore Kaisal will sort of will bake and cook, which means that they'll try to overpower them totally. But then they will heat up the area. This is going to heat up the area, and the fish will flip over, which means is is that they will overcome. They somehow the the people that they subjugated will come and and uh, um, you know will, will fight back. And then it says, had we not, and then the the, the uh, Gemara finishes off. Had we not been close to our boat, we would have uh, we would have drowned. Which means is, and Rabbi Yaakov Melissa goes and explains it. Had we not been close to the time of redemption, we would not have survived. So we look at that. That's how he explains it in the 1800s. Now we look at it nowadays um, in the the what was that? The Six Day War. The Six Day War. The Israel felt on top of the world. We like beat so many all the surrounding like we demolished it like. It was so, if you ask anybody who lived in those time over there, if an Arab-Palestinian was walking in the, they were scared of the Jews. They were scared. They just ran away. They, they couldn't, they, they, there was such fear in the Arabs that they were scared the Jews were on top. But all of a sudden, for some unexpected reason, they got uh, their self-esteem back, the Arabs. And all of a sudden, it flipped around until the Intifada. You know, when the Intifada came, and the Arabs started fighting back. So we see over here exactly what he said. We ruled over the, the, the area. And now all of a sudden, now we gave back land, and now we get, you know, so it's, it's going back to exactly the way that he, he brought it, he, he explained it in the, the, um, the messianic vision about Mashiach. There is, um, something I want to share with you. Let's, let's try to figure out over here. Should we stop over here? Maybe we should stop over here and continue next week, because it looks like we're going to have to split this into two, about a, you know, Islamic, uh, thing. It's, it's... <laughs> you want to do a little bit more? Yeah. Okay, fine. So, oh, oh. Oh, look, you just want to learn so much to uh... Okay. So, um, I'll go a few more minutes, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have to, we'll continue this with, uh, Hashem next week also. So, there is Pilkei de Rabbi Leza, which we spoke about before, the Rabbi Leza ben Horkinus, which was a rabbi of Rabbi Akiva. He, uh, if you want to look it inside, because we're not going to go everything, in chapter 30th, in Pilkei de Rabbi Leza, which is one of his books, they have it also in English, you could go pick it up in the store. In chapter 30 over there, it speaks about 15 things that Bnei Ishmael will do to the land in Israel in the end of days. And it's interesting, you go through it, it's like, you know, like, check, 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 check. So we're not going to go through all of them, uh, um, well, I'll go through some of them. The number, he, he says, uh, of, of the few, he says, they will turn their cemeteries into pasture land and dumps. They'll turn the cemeteries, and we see that, I, to be honest, I saw it with my own eyes. You look at the Ahalaz team, how the little kids, they jump from grave to grave, like they play, they play, they play on there. They literally turn into, into that. Then he says, the, the lies will abound, which we already we spoke about. They will deceive. The, the people. And we see this so true. They, they're so, you know, they, they, um, you know, it's funny because sometimes they get caught because they fake the media. They put video cameras out and showing how, look what Israel did and everybody's like, oh, you know, and, you know, like in pain. Or they, I've, and I've seen, because sometimes they have video cameras rolling and it sometimes gets leaked out. So one time they had, you know, what Israel did to them. They had a row of like corpses, like around there. And, um, the problem was is that they should, the, the video, look at how many people they killed the Israeli, you know, government, look what they did to us. And then you see in the corner there was a foot that was moving under the sheet. There was a foot that was, that was moving. And then uh, you also see like, you know, how they have a video of how there's like bombs and things like that. And, but it's interesting that you have, you, you only see a certain shot. And then there was another video that was capturing another shot. You see the, the Palestinians that were gathered, they were calling people like, hey, stand over here. So this guy was running and all of a sudden he gets close to the video camera. All of a sudden he's like, oh, you know, he makes himself like he's hurt. To show, they show to the media like, look how bad, look what they're doing to us. They, so they, they, they completely perverse it. And we caught them on this so many times. They don't change. They don't, they don't care. Like, no, no, this happened. You know, no. You know, they, they completely stand by it. And look at, look at the world. The entire world believes it. Be like, look what Israel's doing. Look what Israel's doing. And meanwhile, you have the same video out there and showing that they're just, you know, they're fighting with themselves. They're making explosions. They're doing this. And they're, they're, they're putting up smoke over here. So, the, you know, Pekid Abdelazar said this already almost 2,000 years ago. He said that the, the lies will abound. They will be very deceptive. 
Then he goes and he says also the law will be distant from Israel, which means is to explain that is that even the Jews unfortunately will be disregarding the Torah. We see over here a lot of Jews in Israel they don't follow the Torah. So um, and then he says something very interesting. He says the paper and the quill will shrivel. So I saw this interpretation of it. What does that mean? The paper and the quill will shrivel, which means is. And this is the interpretation of it. All agreements that B'nai Ishmael sign are not even worth the paper that is written on it. They, they say yes for peace and they say yes for... Don't even listen to them. It's not worth anything that they, um, that they, uh, that, that they say. Then it says something also very, very interesting. Um, they will build a building over the Heichal, over the, the Kodesh Kodeshim, over the temple, the sanctuary. They're going to build a building. And you look, this was... this. First of all, this was written by Pilkei Darabinezer, which are Lesbian Harkness. Yeah, let me just give you some, uh, um, some, some, uh, you know, timeline. Islam was created at about the year 610 Common Era. He came around 500 years before Islam was even in, 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 into the thing. And you, by the way, they would build a building in, in the sanctuary. You know, that's the, you know, the mosque, the, uh, the mosque of Omar. I forgot what it's called, the Caliph. We'll speak about that probably next week. But you see over here that 500 years before they even built it, they said they're going to build a building over there. And look, they have the building over there since then. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a oh, HaKodesh, whatever. These, a lot of these things are derived from Psukim. You have the, if the, everything's in the Torah. Everything is in the Torah. You just have to know to be on the spiritual level to be able to look at and see it. So everything until the end of days, everything's in the Torah. So, he was a, you know, tzaddik, it's a, you know, the top of the top. So, and then he goes and he says, they will build rune cities in the mountains. Explanation of that is B'nai Shmuel, they will settle in many eras in El Sisar. They're going to build up these, these places. There's also something very interesting. This is hard to understand that they will measure the land with ropes. Um, so an interpretation that I heard is that they will claim sections of Israel to be theirs as well. So we see over here that the, you know, what everything that the Chachamim said, said about Ishmael, not only came into, you know, it came in like to the T, it was so much on the money that it's, that it's scary. So we have to worry about not Ishmaelim and not what they're going to do. That, we don't have to worry about that. We have to worry about what God does. I saw, um, I, I was reading a, um, a, a article today that somebody came over to Rabbi Steinman. Rabbi Steinman is, you know, the Gadol Ador in Eretz Israel, over a hundred years old. And one guy came over to me and says, you know, Donald Trump is the numerical value of Mashiach. He says, what does that mean? That Donald Trump is Mashiach? So Rabbi Shaman, you know what he answered him? He says, don't worry about what Donald Trump has to do. He says, worry about you, what you have to do. He says, stop worrying about them. He's gonna be, you're gonna bring the Mashiach. He says, you wanna know how you're gonna bring the Mashiach? You have to go according to the Torah. The, when we're learning about Ishmael, we're not here to bash Ishmael. That's not my intent. That's my intent, my intent to bring him down. My intent is what can we learn to perfect ourselves? And we have to look at, just how we started off, with how Chazal tell us that when we're subjugated into a land, we're subjugated for a reason for that particular exile. And we have to learn why. And we have to overcome it. So we see Islam is like, you know, some crazy stuff that they do. Some really crazy, wacky stuff that, they, that they're doing. But we have to learn. But that must be that we're lacking in something over here. They fool themselves. Oh, do we fool ourselves. Oh, do we fool ourselves. I can speak a whole class just on how much we fool ourselves. People convince themselves that they are okay. And I'm not saying that you should think that yourself, that you should never think of yourself as a bad person. Because if you think of yourself as a bad person, you will do bad. You shouldn't think of yourself as bad. But don't fool yourself to thinking that you don't have to grow. And there are many people who think, I'm, I'm okay where I am right now. I, I'm pretty happy. A person that, if you want to grow, you have to achieve to growth. Right? Well, you, you know the famous thing when we spoke about uh, um, self-esteem. If you say that you will fail, guess what? You will fail. If you will say you will succeed, you will succeed. If you think you are good where you are right now spiritually, then you're not going to grow. This is where you're going to stay. And most likely when you stay, you'll, you, you start falling down. So what we have to do is we have to learn from this. Not to, you know, how, how Yishmael fool themselves. We cannot fool ourselves. We have to be true to ourselves. Even if we're not changing. Even if it's very hard for us to change. Which is very, you know, there's some people who say, listen, I can't do it. I can't, I can't do it. Which is not fine, but fine. That at least don't fool yourself. Know that you're doing something wrong. You know, what, what is that? Uh, you know, alcoholic anonymous. You know, the first step, I think it's alcoholic anonymous. Um, the first step to, is realizing you have a problem. If you don't think that you're doing something wrong, if you're not going against the Torah, you're not going to change. So that's one major thing that we can learn from from uh, from, from Islam. And we're soon going to see Bezalat Hashem next week. We're going to speak about how we could also learn from Emunah from uh, from Islam. But where we're going to start off Bezalat Hashem next week is about um, um, peace and how how they are absolutely mean zilch everything that they uh, say about peace. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.